Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Thelman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, periodically, I receive those... I'd love to hear your thoughts about this kind of emails from our readers and our listeners, and almost all of them are really good. Now, sometimes they touch on some ideas which really get me riled up. Maybe that's the intent, I suppose, but sometimes they do. Here's one that's come up a few times lately. There's some perception for some reason that as a group, we seem to think that we somehow have to create our aquariums for the most exotic, unique, and otherwise rare Instagram sexy fishes in order for our work to be taken seriously by all the cool kids. I, I, I thought, okay, this generated a big WTF for me. I was like, what? Is this really a thing? And apparently it is, because no less than four different hobbyists brought this one to my attention in the last two months alone. And doing a bit of research, I did see some evidence of this mindset percolating out there online. So what's my take on this? Well, rather than giving the hobby culture an apparently well-deserved whack upside the head, Let me try to be a bit more positive and think about some cool tanks that you could do for the so-called common fishes. I'll start with the most common fish you can get, the most beloved zebra danio, danio rio. As a kid, I think it was one of the most memorable sights in my first aquarium, you know, complete with the blue gravel and plastic plants. The most impressive sight to me was this group of eight zebra danios. They were racing at a high speed around the tank in a furious fashion as if they had to get somewhere in a big freaking hurry, only to reverse course and do it all over again. I never forgot how much I liked those zebras, or almost every other daniel species for that matter, except for the giant daniel because I hate big clumsy fish and I think they're big and clumsy, but that's just me. Anyway, the amazing thing about this fish is it's probably the most bulletproof species you can keep. I recall reading somewhere that its tolerated temperature range based on wild type localities is from 76.2 degrees Fahrenheit to 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 24.6 to about 38.6 Celsius. I mean, if that isn't a broad range, then nothing is. And it tolerates water with a pH from 6.0 to 8.0. Yeah, these guys are hardly what you'd call fussy. And I think that's incredible. And you know me, once I hear that, I get these weird ideas like, what if we mimic the conditions of the natural habitat for the fish? Would they do better? Is there an advantage somewhere? And I think like this for so many fishes, as if to shun the fact that 90% of what we keep in the aquarium these days has never seen a stream or pond or river or whatever. It's just, I don't know, it's just irresistible to me to think about this kind of stuff. I mean, take it into the context of, oh, we need to keep these exotic fishes or whatever. No, we can keep common fishes. Taking the most common of aquarium fishes and giving them these kind of throwback conditions seeing if it somehow awakens something locked in their genetic code over eons just something i mean it's kind of silly i suppose there's so many other things to do in the hobby yet i can't help but wonder if we can learn something from replicating some aspects of their long forgotten wild habitats and in regards to the zebra danio what's interesting to me is that the habitats in which these fishes are found are, are amazing Typically, these fishes are found in northern India, and this area is subjected to seasonal rainfall between the months of June and September due to the summer monsoon. 
and the water levels and characteristics vary considerably at different times of the year. They're often found in inundated rice paddies and marginal pools with silty, kind of turbid water with very little movement. Now, during the dry times of the year, they spend their time in calm, shaded areas of streams with rocky substrates. This is interesting because it reminds me a bit of the Amazonian Igarape, although instead of a rainforest, you got rice paddies. And of course, I've been playing with rice seeds, silted substrates, and turbid water lately, so hmm, yeah. So my simple thought is, the fish seems to hang out in what we as hobbyists would think of as less desirable conditions for much of the year, the silty rice paddies, and only spends the dry season in the more permanent, less turbid streams, the fast-moving streams that everybody has in mind when they think about these fishes. Now, why would this be? Is there some advantage like food, better substrate for breeding, protection? Why the turbid water? What does it bring to the fishes? Would there be an advantage to keeping a fish like the zebra in different conditions, different times of the year, as this happens in nature? or simply in a tank representing one of the two habitats it's found in? Would you want or need to? I mean, the fish has been captive bred as a staple of the hobby for almost like a century, but I can't help but wonder why these fishes live the way they do in the wild. What advantages do these habitats hold for the fish? Would you get different behaviors, colors, health, spawning viability out of the fishes by doing the seasonal transition? Using a very fine sand substrate, maybe mixed in with some mud or something similar to replicate the rice paddies, with pump returns very gently angled at the bottom to simulate a little bit of turbidity. Again, why, you ask, I suppose. My answer could be, you know, I think it could be kind of cool. Weird, but cool. Am I the only one who imagines weird stuff like this? Maybe. On second thought, don't answer that. <laughs> I know this fish is bred by the billion in farms all over the world, as are many, you know, much sexier domesticated strains of its relatives. But wouldn't it be interesting to see what happens when you repatriate these common fishes to an uncommon execution of their natural habitats of origin? I think it would be. In fact, I'm certain that it would be. And again, that's just as sexy and interesting to me as any weird exotic fish. I mean, I did the Tucanichthys Tucano tank. People went crazy over it because people just generally don't play with larger groups of them in a sort of a biotope-specific or biotope-inspired tank. And I'm thinking, those were sexy, cool little fish, and they're expensive. Why not play with the zebras? Why not play with the most common of all fish? I think there's something there. And it's, of course, it's not limited to the humble zebra, Daniel. You can create unique habitats for a wide variety of ready, readily available fishes. Like, think about phase like the harlequin rasbora, the trigonostigma heteromorpha, which is often kept in planet tanks. You know, clear, beautiful, high-concept planet tanks. is just sort of a supporting cast member. Yet, when was the last time you saw it as, like, the alpha fish in a system designed to replicate its preferred natural habitat? You know, dimly lit forest swamps, you know, peat forest swamps. Uh, small tinted jungle tributaries filled with leaf litter or cryptocurrine choked streams. You know, that's cool. I think that stuff's amazing. And, and we, we don't think about that, do we? I think that the problem is we tend to get caught up in our view of what, you know, what it was supposed to, what it was supposed to be in our head, not what it really could be. And I think that is the most fascinating aspect of keeping, you know, Keeping aquarium, aquariums, I'm going on and on here, but what I'm sort of thinking of, and it sort of just hit me over the head when I was, when I was uh, talking about this, is that we could probably, you know, we breed fishes many times in these environments, in, the, in these aquariums that represent natural environments, yet for some reason we don't keep them that way most of the year, and I think that's kind of interesting to me. Now, I played with that approach for just such a species, the, the ubiquitous neon tetra. And I found that not only rewarding and fascinating, but highly engaging for other hobbyists too. Oh, and they spawn like really easily. Like I've never spawned neons before, except for accidentally as a kid once. 
You can really go to town with some of these types of habitats, even with the pantanal type simulation, which is what I did, where I used a mix of terrestrial grasses, weeds, and even some dead pieces of roots to, to recreate that look, the richness, and the function of that unique habitat where they are sometimes found. It's an altogether unconventional aesthetic and most counterintuitive because it was rich, sediment-laden, tinted, and turbid, like a lot of my tanks, a relatively high-nutrient tank, one in which the fishes utterly thrive. However, you know, the most pedestrian fishes, and that's what's so amazing. So I think there's something there. I think this is an idea that we should play with. And I think it's something that we don't have to feel bad about, keeping what we like, not what's cool. The ongoing experimentation, the mental shifts that we ask you to make, the norms of the botanical style aquarium practice that we've pushed here for a few years, all those things come together to make these types of experiments unique and enjoyable to a wide variety of hobbyists for a wide variety of fishes, not just the expensive, crazy, rare ones. You simply don't need to have the most exotic fishes around in a tank to create excitement. You can create excitement about the entire ecosystems from which these so-called common fishes originate. Common in an uncommon way. Think about that for a little bit. I know I tend to meander on this stuff, but I think it's something worth thinking about. I'm sure we have talked about this many times before and it will come up again. And I think it's something we should definitely, definitely revisit. Stay excited. Stay brave. Stay curious. Stay creative. Stay innovative. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.